we uh, are continuing in the series, the series uh, Be Disciples, Living, Learning and Living the Life. Be Disciples, Learning and Living the Life. Um, in the book of Matthew, I'm going to read this morning from uh, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter uh, 28. And this Uh, It is a familiar passage of Scripture, but it should be even more familiar because it has been read for your hearing if you've been here for the last seven weeks at least. It's been been read for the last seven weeks. If you've been been listening, amen? Um, So Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 16. Matthew chapter 28. I'll be reading from the English Standard. Uh, Version Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the, the truth and the power and the grace of your word. The opening of your word brings light. We pray now that you would illumine us, that you would have your way here in this sanctuary, God, that you would... Uh, examine and search minds and hearts, and oh God, that you would uh, relieve anything that was brought in, God, that is not of you, God, that you would put to rest uh, worries and distractions, Lord, and that you would just draw our hearts and our minds toward you, that we would see you afresh, oh God, that we'd be shaped by you, your will, your word, your way. Oh, God, I ask for a fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word. And Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Because, Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> uh, was taught never to open a sermon with a question. So here's a question. <laughs> Is it possible to truly be a part of something and not understand or participate in its most important function? You said read it again. I heard you. The, Is it possible to truly be a part of something and not understand or participate in its most important function. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a beautiful uh, slide prepared, and then I, 
our screen gave up on us, and it, it would have let you know that uh, there, is, there is a great percentage of people who profess the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't understand the mission. Uh, there was, there, to, to that question, there was an organization founded on, on, on uh, June 6th in 1844 uh, by a man named George Williams and 11 others uh, who were with him with the purpose of improving the spiritual condition of young men engaged in the trades during the Industrial Revolution in London. As, as he began to address the issues uh, of, of, uh, of morally uh, bankrupt behaviors and issues that he observed, Sir George, would, he, he talked with, prayed with, and taught the Bible to the young men. That was his strategy, uh, his mission to help uh, improve their spiritual condition. The forming of this organization that he uh, put in place with these other men, um, it, it would also involve a combination uh, of preaching in the streets, the distri- distribution of religious tracts, and uh, uh, a social ministry. It was a, it was a comprehensive uh, uh, mission and strategy of this organization. This organization since then, it's, it's become worldwide and, and uh, with hundreds of thousands of members, but not much of the things involved in the initial mission are able to be recognized in how it operates today. Uh, some people are shaking their head. They may know what this is. To, uh, today, Christ is not only stripped from its name, but buried so deep under its mission that he can hardly be recognized in this organization. Uh, There may be some members of this organization here today, and they may not have known the original mission. It, it, It experienced what's been called missional drift. Missional drift, uh, this slow slipping away from the original mission, it can happen either by uh, taking the mission for granted or when the, the direct influence of the one who initiated the mission is no longer present. No longer present. The, the, the one who influenced them. God forbid this, this happening to the church. Uh, it's, it's why we turn to this familiar passage to, to hear directly from the lips of Jesus what he intends and intended and intends and intended for his disciples to always carry on. Uh, it is, is our call to carry on. Our call to carry on. That's the title of the message. Our call to carry on. What is this whole thing about? Beautiful singing and music and gathering and beautiful people. What is this? The mission of faithful disciples is to make more disciples. The mission of faithful disciples is to make more disciples. Uh, That's what it's about. Uh, in case you hadn't been here uh, a couple weeks, Matthew, uh, we just rehashed that Matthew 
uh, who, who shows Jesus in his gospel as fulfilling the role uh, of, of the coming and promised king, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. He, he captures here Jesus giving some final essential marching orders to his disciples for the building up of his church. Uh, in the face of a, a, of a world and system set against the, the authority and the accomplished work of Jesus Christ, disciples are called to go and reproduce. It almost sounds like the beginning. Uh, be fruitful and multiply. Look, uh, um, this passage of Scripture, it, it, it's, it's come to be known and and so you won't be a part of the statistic. You'll know this has come to be known and is commonly known as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Uh, but with the forces of missional drift that have, are at work uh, uh, trying to compete with other uh, entities and to have the latest and the greatest. And with these forces... Uh, of missional drift at work is, is often read a little more like in our day by many as the, uh, the great suggestion. Yeah. Still, the, the, the Lord's voice and call are clear to anyone called to be his disciples. It's, it's clear. Jesus, in this passage, shares three elements of our commission. Uh, uh, he gives a word of power. That's authority. He gives a word of purpose. That's mission. And he gives a word of, of promise. It's presence. Uh, Matthew shares as he opens up the location and posture of the disciples as they receive the commission from, uh, from Jesus. Uh, here it is. Picture the, 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 the remaining group of disciples minus Judas the betrayer show up in Galilee at the appointed mountainside. Uh, it was prearranged with the Lord. The fact that they were still, <clears throat> this is post-resurrection, the fact that they were still obeying Jesus is evident uh, um, in them showing up where he had told them to go. They, they, they saw and they stretched themselves out on the ground when they saw him in an act of worship. It demonstrates their, their faith in the risen Lord, but Matthew also mentions that some doubt. I'm thankful that he mentioned that some doubt because we need to remember that the disciples are human beings. If they become something more than human beings, then we get let off the hook for caring how... For, God calls disciples to carry out. Look, um, there was some doubt that the hesitation of some of the disciples, I could see them coming and falling at his feet. I imagine Peter might have been uh, racing with John to get to Jesus' feet to worship. And, um, but but I, I could, uh, they, 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 they fall, but this hesitation, some, uh, 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 who was in the back? Who, who was the slowest one? Was it Thomas? I'm not sure, but this, they, we don't know. Uh, but, but this hesitation, it, it could possibly just be the result of, of, of a still developing understanding of Jesus in his resurrection. Uh, how, how, do I, how do I engage? You know, this, 
this, this hesitation. How, how many times would you need to have uh, been in Jesus' presence before fully taking in what he had accomplished by rising from the dead? <laughs> how many times? Uh, uh, we, we, we like to act sometimes like we would have just gone and just gave Jesus a dap and, and, and acted like it was normal that he was raised from the dead. So there was some... It could be that, that even though the, the, the disciples had seen him a few times since he was risen, some of them still had trouble being fully sure about how all these things were possible. And they believed, but they still needed some help with their unbelief. Uh, uh, anybody ever been there that, that you believe? You, you, you know who Jesus is and what he's done. You believe but even here, sitting in worship, you, you, you have sometimes a small question in your heart that, what is he doing in my life right now? What is he doing? This resurrected Lord. Notice, uh, as we move, Jesus doesn't even acknowledge any of the doubt here. He called them out before when, when they weren't, you know, steady. But, but he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't even acknowledge. He, he accepts the worship, and then he goes on to just lay out the mission. And it makes me think that maybe some things can only be worked through and worked out in worship and obedience to him. Your questions sometimes get answered in worship and obedience to him. Uh, his, his accepting the worship would have, would have challenged the Jewish sensibilities in that day. They, they were very, uh, uh, you know, sensitive about worship, and they had reason to be, yet, yet these disciples recognized Jesus as worthy of worship. Just like the women who, who ran into him on their way from the tomb that was empty, they fell at his feet, they recognized him as worthy of worship. But, but, but as Jesus contradicting himself here in the words of Deuteronomy that he had quoted over in Matthew chapter 4 when Satan attempted to have Jesus worship him in exchange for worldly glory. Jesus clearly responded to Satan that, that you should worship the Lord alone, him only. But here we find Jesus accepting worship from the disciples. This is a good place to take a note for those asking questions about Jesus' claims of divinity for himself. Uh, Jesus knows who he is. The typical question uh, and, and that stirred as Jesus carried out his earthly ministry, a typical question was something like, just who does he think he is? <laughs> Talking and walking like that. And, and, and many they understood his actions and his words as being uh, those of someone who was making themselves equal with God. So, so, so recognizing, they, they, you know, they asked who do they think they is, but he's showing you who he thinks he is and recognizing this, the, the heart of the question for them and even many people today is actually, does he have the right to speak and act like this? Does he have the right? It's, it's, it's a question of authority. 
And if the, if the resurrection didn't make this plain, what he says next will. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Make it plain, Jesus. Throughout, throughout the gospel of Matthew, people have been talking about his authority. They say he taught with authority. He healed with authority. He forgave sins with authority. He even gave a pinch of his authority to his disciples when he sent them out to do just what he was doing there. Even with all that, he was still only using some of his authority. He was only using some authority. And it, and it, and it, and it looked more so like, like his authority was over when he was killed and buried. But after the resurrection, we find out this is where my old Baptist preacher needs to be subdued. We find out that as they would say, he got up with all power in his hands. Uh, after the resurrection, we find out, and, and Jesus here lets them know, speaking a word of power, Jesus makes plain that he's now operating with all authority. All authority. Uh, uh, I, I, some people are getting antsy hearing that word authority. We don't like that word authority. It's, I don't have to go to work till tomorrow. Nobody's authority but me. All authority, Jesus says. Uh, notice it, it, is, it is complete and it's unrestricted. Jesus' all authority was not only complete and unrestricted, it was also, it was universal because there's not an inch of existence where his authority is not in effect. We, we got to get this. It sounds plain, but you, it, it, it does not have boundaries. It covers whatever exists from the heavenly bodies and the heavenly beings, and it extends to everything on earth, his authority. Wherever you look on earth, he has authority. Wherever you could look in heaven, uh, he has authority over every situation in your life. He has authority. He has authority. Paul touches on and he gives the implications of this authority of Jesus uh, uh, this point here in Philippians chapter 2 where after describing Jesus' humiliation and coming down to earth and, and, and his death, he shares how God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, yeah, Paul, Paul had an understanding of that. The church had an understanding of Jesus' authority. Question, what would you do with all authority? Ah, uh, how would you treat your enemies if you suddenly had all authority? Jesus knows. You don't have to say it out loud. Jesus knows. But, but here, the good thing is we can observe Jesus as the rightful owner, possessor of all, 
or all authority, when, when instead of striking the world that rejected and crucified him, he sends his disciples on mission into it. He, he's, he's rightful. Look at the word of purpose. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thank you, Lord. That word, therefore, we know when therefore is there, we need to look back to see what therefore is there for. That, that word, therefore, lets us know that the mission Jesus lays out here for his disciples and his church rests on his total authority. We, we move with that total authority. Uh, you, you haven't seen someone operating, operating in authority till you've seen a kid come into a room to get something out of the room and people say, no, no, don't touch that. My mom said I could have it. That kid is operating under total authority. Look, he, he sends us with authority and because it's based on his all authority, the heart of Jesus' command here to the disciples is to make disciples. Uh, he, he, gives, he gives a threefold course of action to achieve the mission of making disciples. He, it's, it's going, it's, it's marking, and it's maturing. It's going, it's marking, and it's maturing. Going. The, 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 the charge of making disciples is, is not something that could be accomplished completely by proxy, uh, by keeping a safe distance. It requires engagement. The disciples who will carry out this work will need to move out and, and encounter other people, different people. But, but in order for the, the, the going to truly become disciple-making and not just sightseeing, or recreation, something has to be shared in that encounter with others. Matthew uh, uh, says go. He, he takes for granted that the readers understand what's involved in the going. Uh, he, he's already shared back in chapter 10 and verse 7 how the disciples were sent out on a smaller, more limited mission and told to be proclaiming about the kingdom of heaven as they go. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just like Jesus, the, the, the message is a part of the going. It can't be separated. The, the book of Acts and the book of Luke, they give more clarity on that going. In, in, in Jesus' last instructions to his disciples, uh, described in Luke 24 and Acts 1, he identifies the, the disciples as his witnesses. That helps you in the going. Witnesses, you know what witnesses do. They, they had experienced all that he had done, and, and, he's, and he sets the expectation for them to faithfully share and spread their witness everywhere to all nations. Look at this. The, the, sure, they, they're, they're upright. I, I heard somebody said, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, preach the gospel at all times, and, 
and uh, when necessary, use words. That's why I hate the internet. I mean, it it sounds clever, but but it has nothing to do with the word of God. You got to use their their upright lives, their the powerful signs and wonders, and their demonstrations of love. It would be a part of their witness, but the sharing of the good news, the gospel, as they go, is essential for making disciples. You have to say something. Imagine a, a, a key witness to a crime who knows the whole story in a major trial. Uh, what they know could have a, a person set free from a death penalty case. They're summons to court. They go, they, they take the stand, they sit, but they refuse to share their testimony, what they know. Not only is that not helpful, it's negligent. It's cruel. Somebody's life is at stake. Somebody's life is at stake. Are we talking about the witness stand or are we talking about now? Somebody's life is at stake. Going and sharing the message gives people an opportunity to, to, to accept the authority of Jesus and, and all he's done to secure their freedom, their, their freedom from guilt, sin, and death. It gives them a chance. It, it's, it's a message of salvation. It gives them the chance to respond by repenting and believing. It needs to be shared in going. Jesus also expands this going. It first began with Israel, that that, that smaller mission. It began with Israel and now uh, extending it to all nations. Oh, don't miss this is good news. Don't miss this. The mission is broad. Uh, all nations. Israel would have the first opportunity, but not exclusive opportunity. Um, It's an all-encompassing mission. All nations, all ethnic or or people groups, it's both uh, international and local, crossing cultural and geographic boundaries. Uh, it's, a, it's a call uh, to those who live in distant foreign lands from us, and, and it's a call to those who are uh, uh, in, in our communities and in our proximity. In other words, Jesus doesn't say step over some people as you go. Jesus says, all, 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 all. And, 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 and in these times, he's, he's, he's bringing nations into cities. He's, uh, God is doing the work, but he tells us to go. He tells us to go. It, 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 is, um, it, it is a both and, not an either or. It, it, it's true that some, some might participate in sending others out to to distant places, but every disciple is called to go to somebody so that nobody is left out, whether it's near or far, all nations, no one excluded. I was was going again, I was going to add a graph showing like the percentage of people in Wilmington never attended church or reported having no 
faith relationship with God or, or even uh, get a relation, the, the, the ratio of, of, of dis, uh, disciples on mission to the amount of unreached people groups in the world. Or, or maybe a colorful pie chart would have helped uh, that showed just how many people need disciples to be going. But graphs, charts, figures, they, they aren't supposed to be what compels us to go. We have to be compelled by Jesus' word, his word to go. Those facts and figures, they, they might point us in a direction. But it's the love of God that compels us. The going with the message, and, and the going with the message is still only the first step. <laughs> Next, Jesus makes clear that we also need to be marking disciples. Marking disciples as people who hear and respond to the good news, the, the, the instruction given next was to baptize. It marks them. Uh, repenting and believing the good news that they hear from the disciples is going to determine their salvation, their eternal uh, uh, destination. But, but baptism is the next step in obedience. Some people in, in, in this day and age, they, they've begun to, to see uh, water baptism as, a, as an extra or unnecessary step. I got this. I don't need that. But we find it right here, commanded by Jesus as a part of the disciple-making mission. It's there. Uh, baptism was a public show of allegiance toward a personal group that had baptized someone. It's a public declaration, baptism. In terms of the mission of Jesus, the baptism would, would display not only allegiance and obedience to the Lord, but attachment to him. It would mark new disciples as part of the community that belongs to Christ. I'm his people. They, they, they will become connected in the eyes of the world to the resurrected Lord by this resurrecting symbol of baptism. This is, they, they, what would happen? They would be immersed into water, symbolizing death. That death that Jesus suffered and being buried with him. And, and then they would be lifted out of the water, symbolizing his rising up from the dead and, and us being raised to the new life that he makes possible for us the new life he brings. We, we, we need to be obedient in baptism. Another thing to notice, though, as we move from here, that, that, is that part of this command is, is that Jesus' name is listed alongside the Father and the Holy Spirit. Uh, he, he had been accused before of making himself equal with with God by calling God his father. But look, uh, now Jesus signifies his own equality, blatantly joining himself in one singular name with the, with the father and the spirit. The, the scripture says, it says in the name of, singular, not the names of, in the name of. Yeah, the one, one singular name of the father, son, and Holy Spirit. I know the word Trinity doesn't appear in the scripture, we, 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 but we're given pictures of the triune Godhead through verses like this, uh, 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 of whom Jesus 
is part. He's one with the Father and the Spirit. The full authority of God was behind the baptism of the new disciple. But Jesus' mission for the disciples, it doesn't end when folks come up out of the water. That's like the commencement of a graduation. (laughs) It doesn't end. Jesus commanded that disciples teach the new disciples. Teach them to, to observe, to keep, obey, to live out all that he commanded them. All that we, not, not, not be baptized and become part of a group. Not, I'm meddling. The disciples would be maturing as they learned and carried out all that Jesus had taught these 11 all that he had commanded them, all that. uh, I have a list of over 300 commands of Jesus that I could share with you. If anyone wants to sit and go through the list and look at it, um, they're all uh, uh, good for our growing, our maturing. Some were for specific moments, like like him telling Peter to uh, launch his boat out into the deep, and others apply to all his followers. Some are direct and imperatives and others expected implications. This is what you must do. (laughs) Uh, But all of them are part of what he's commanding. All of them good for us, for our learning, our maturing. I'll share just a few basic ones as we start to move toward a close. Uh, uh, And these are for us all. Repent, believe, be baptized. Break bread in communion and worship. Love God and love people. Pray. Give humbly and generously. And now he gives another command here. Go and make disciples. This is your mission statement. Go and make disciples. The teaching uh, 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 is incomplete. The maturing of disciples is incomplete if the disciples never make other disciples. If these disciples were commanded to teach disciples to obey all that Jesus commanded, and they're not obeying the commandment, then they haven't been taught to obey all that Jesus commanded. I won't say that again. You you hear the teaching, and and just in case someone was thinking, like uh, we've been teaching it week after week, a disciple is not a special category Green Beret Christian. No, no, no. The, 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 he, he uses plural yous in here. In verse 20, he, the, the you is personal and plural. That means it hits you. It hits you, hits you, hits you, hits you. Uh, um, go and do it. All of you. 
do this. All of you do this. And I'm thankful of, 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 the, of, of the you because Jesus closes as, with a word of promise here. He says at the end of the verse, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Oh, what joy I had this week uh, studying and, and, and digging into this word, that word I've heard hundreds of times, but what joy I had as I turned the pages and Jesus says, I'm with you. I am with you. I am with you. Lord, I want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And Jesus says, go, boy, I am with you. I am with you. Jesus, this thing is getting a little hard. I don't know if people are hearing or if they're responding or I don't know which way uh, it's, it's, it's happening and what's exact, what exactly is going on sometimes. Jesus, he said, I am with you. I am with you. It, it, the, the commission is based on Jesus' authority, but it's carried out in the assurance of his presence. He will be with you always. While you walk out this walk, he takes your excuses and he crumbles them up and puts them in the back and says, what do those excuses have to do with me being with you as you go, therefore, and make disciples? He says, I'm with you always. And, and, I, and I love the fact that Matthew ties this book up and he closes it with a beautiful book end because uh, it was just like the announcement at the beginning of the gospel in, in chapter one that, that announced Emmanuel, God with us at his birth. And now the gospel closes with the announcement of Jesus speaking of him speaking, him who will always be with us. Glory to God. Since he's with us, we have, we have no excuse not to carry out his mission. Uh, since the one who breathed the mission into his church is with us, his, we are never we need not never, we need never be apart and separated from his influence. Because he said he would send his Holy Spirit to indwell us. We are always in his presence. History confirms that none of these disciples left this mountain uh, believing that making disciples was optional. They all did it until their death. Let history reflect that we didn't go out like the Young Men's Christian Association that some are a part of today, where you see no semblance of the name of Christ anymore. That we didn't go out, we didn't shrink our name down to the sea Know that we were the church, the disciples of Christ. And we recognize that going to make disciples is not an option for us.